Welcome to episode eight of the Dave Burgess Show. I decided to remove the intro bumper and the outro bumper from this episode because, just to be honest, they didn't seem appropriate for what's going to be a tough one. Last year on January 29th, I received a text message from Dan McDowell that read, I know it's early. Are you up? Really need to talk to you about something as soon as possible. A message like that will get you out of bed real quick. I made the call. The news was devastating. Our close friend John Beret had been rushed by paramedics to the hospital after a tragic incident that occurred as he left for work. It was the start of an anxiety-filled and grief-stricken stretch of days and weeks, ultimately ending in the untimely passing of John. A memorial service was scheduled for March 14, 2020. 3.14. Pi Day. Intentionally chosen because of John's love of math and his impact in the math community. John was a part of a special and unique group of five friends, the five guys. It was determined that we should be represented in the eulogies to take place at the service, and I got to work and wrote one the week of the event. I remember meeting up with Dan, Jared, and Ruben on the evening of March 11th to read them the eulogy and get their approval. Well, out that night, our phones were blowing up with messages about a world that was rapidly falling apart. The NBA canceled their season. Tom Hanks had COVID-19. Just one update after another. The next day, I hopped on a plane and flew to Pennsylvania and delivered on March 13th. As it turns out, my last in-person professional development for over a year. I rushed to the airport after the event, completely stressed out that flights would be shut down and I would get stranded and unable to make it back for the service. Well, on the layover between legs one and two, the word came down that due to California's restrictions on the size of gatherings, the venue would not be able to accommodate the crowd. A crowd expected to easily top 500 people, maybe even over a thousand. The family made the necessary but still tough decision to postpone the memorial. Well, we all know what happened to 2020 next. And here we are. March 14th, 2021, and a huge gathering like that is still out of the question. I can't keep it any longer. It's time to put John's eulogy out into the world. But before I read it, I wanted to share a few thoughts to put it into context. First, this was going to be one of several eulogies delivered at the service and was written to specifically commemorate the unique and not well-known Five Guys relationship. Other speakers were going to focus and highlight on his role as a father and husband, for example. In other words, this was not meant to fully encapsulate all that was John. Secondly, I'm going to read it just as I wrote it and not change the wording to reflect the passage of time. So when I mentioned last May, That would be May 2019. Lastly, it was, of course, meant to be delivered to a live audience who knew John. That's why they were there. I know many people who are listening now did not have the honor of knowing him, and this will fall completely short of capturing him in his entirety. But one year later, I do just feel like it's time to put this eulogy out into the world. And so without any further ado, just as I wrote it, and just as it was going to be delivered on Pi Day of 2020, here it is on Pi Day 2021. 
George Bernard Shaw said, This is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one. As I look across the audience today, I see ample evidence that John was, in fact, used for a mighty purpose. I see his impact on and through his family and friends. I see row after row of former students representing the literally thousands of young people he impacted as a teacher who was a true master of his craft. I see a math community that was inspired by his love of mathematics and drive to create better and more effective ways to once and for all in the all too prevalent, I'm not a math person mindset. I see his impact in his most recent position, where he relentlessly worked to move an entire district forward into more powerful teaching and learning strategies by building relationships, cultivating trust, and artfully but persuasively questioning current practices in order to forge a spirit of growth and innovation. And I see colleagues in a wider education community who have been truly inspired by his fellowship and friendship, his commitment to community, his intellectual curiosity, and his never-ending quest to be a lifelong learner. A purpose and an impact that is mighty indeed. Much like a stone hitting the center of a still body of water, the ripples spread out in every direction in concentric circles. Actually, John and an abnormally high percentage of people in attendance today could show you how to calculate the speed and spread of those circles using some calculus wizardry. And let me just tell you, I'm not one of them. But I do know that those ripples John created have reached shores far and wide. John was so disarmingly friendly and welcoming that you could forget or not realize how dang smart he was. He could, and would, talk on any subject. I'm convinced he could have taught any class on campus. John was teaching all levels of math, including AP calculus. And at one point, to help West Hills out of a last minute jam, this guy picked up some Spanish sections. I mean, I'm over here trying to stay a week ahead of my history students, and this dude is teaching in multiple departments in multiple languages. John was a renaissance man. One thing I'm sure many of you did not know, is that John was a part of a group that connected and formed a special bond over a period of more than a decade. The Five Guys. John, Jared Carmen, Dan McDowell, Reuben Hoffman, and myself formed a group that was named in a stroke of creative genius because there were one, two, three, four, five guys. And yes, it's true. We have also shared many meals of burgers and fries at that restaurant. It was like a kind of back channel to all of our lives. It was a place where we could connect, collaborate, float ideas, get feedback, brainstorm, ask for help, but also a place to share our triumphs and tribulations, hopes and humor, and just unfiltered raw humanity. A group text chain of literally thousands of messages, a multitude of breakfasts, frequent hikes and walks around lakes and into mission trails and up Cal's Mountain. Plus, every year, we had extended weekend retreats to places like Big Bear Lake, California. In Big Bear, we would disappear together to hike, hang out, and just talk about the world, our lives, and come home recharged and ready to get back to reality. 
This past May, we took an incredible trip to New York City. We stayed in Times Square and got to experience the 9-11 Memorial together, the Museum of Modern Art, run through Central Park, walk across the Brooklyn Bridge, eat pizza by the slice, drink in Irish pubs, and it culminated by going to Broadway and the Richard Rogers Theater to be together and see Hamilton. Our last trip together. It was, as Dan put it the other night, a peak experience. Honestly, this has all been tough to accept. One of the most frustrating and seemingly unfair conundrums of life is that the righteous don't always get spared, nor do the wicked always get struck down. As Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote, death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes. But I'm most struck and moved today by the fact that that brilliant musical Hamilton actually ends with a question, an overarching, almost existential question. Who tells your story? As I look around this church and up here at four heartbroken men who will forever still be known as five guys, I'm convinced, strengthened, buoyed, brightened by the knowledge that John's story is in great hands.